Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 41, 42, 43 of Insurgent. So where we left off, Triss and Christina left the abnegation land, hopped in a car with Marcus. They went to Amity. Some shit went down at Amity. And by shit, I just mean like a very casual debate. But that casual debate inspired three or four Amity people to walk off and join the uprising. And so now they've recruited some four eyes to go and overtake Erudite. Let's do it. So she says, chapter 41, by the time we reach the city, all conversation has halted the truck. It's not that exciting, actually. It's a really slow start to the chapter when I read it out loud like that. So it's boring, it's boring, it's boring. But then she hears gunshots. Ooh, here we go, here we go. And so she's looking out the window of the bus or the truck or whatever the fuck she's in. And she sees that the leaders of abnegation are on their knees on the pavement and the slack faced dauntless have guns in their hand. Why are there abnegation and the erudite? Where are we? Who, oh, who knows? This book's such a mess. Okay. Or is it a dream or is it a dream? Because then she says, all I can see is my mother turning to embrace the bullets and will dropping to the ground. So they're dead. Oh, it's PTSD. Okay, so she heard the sound of guns going off and she's flashing back to abnegation. Okay, gosh, I'm I'm doing this pod later at night than I normally would. So maybe I'm just going to miss things because I'm feeling pretty dumb right now. So then she's like, get it together, Tris. And she says, my mother told me to be brave, but if she had known that her death would make me so afraid, would she have sacrificed herself so willingly? What, what, what the, if she'd known that her death would make me afraid. Would she have sacrificed herself? You'd be dead if she hadn't sacrificed herself. Why would that be on the top of her brain when she's thinking in that split second, oh, I'm going to sacrifice myself to save my daughter. Oh, hang on a tick. Maybe I shouldn't do that because it might make her a little bit more wary. What? No. What? If she had known that her death would make me so afraid, (laughs) would she have sacrificed herself so willingly? Um, uh, Yeah, I think she would have still. So Marcus pulls up. uh, She's telling us that they're on Madison Avenue and they're a few blocks away from Michigan Avenue. So if you're a Chicago local, you know what's going on, but me, I have no freaking clue. And I also just love how they've created this whole society. They've got different names for factions. They've got a serum for every use, but they never change the names of the buildings or the streets in Chicago. It just seems funny that they never changed that piece of infrastructure, considering they rewired the subway to to never stop running. So they have made some changes. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So Fernando, he gets out, he helps Tris come out and he's like, come on insurgent. And he gives her a wink. And she's like, what does that mean? And he goes, oh, insurgent, it's a noun. And she's like, oh yeah, but what what does that mean? And he says, it's a person who acts in opposition to the established authority who is not necessarily regarded as a belligerent. That's the, the fourth sequel of the book that's coming out soon, belligerent. 
And Kara, she's like, oh my God, Fernando, do you need to give everything a name? We're just doing something and it happens to be in a group. No need for you to call us insurgents. And he goes, well, I, I kind of like categorization. And Tris looks at Fernando and she's like, you know what? I like it, Fernando. Let's call ourselves insurgent. Is this really the conversation we need to be happening? You're about to storm Erudite. There's gunshots going around and we're just like, all right, what do we call ourselves? Team Huddle. What are we calling ourselves, guys? What are we doing? So then they need to get dressed into erudite clothing to to not be noticed. Again, she's the most famous person in Chicago. Surely her face is on posters. But she thinks just a few pieces of different colored clothing is going to just, it will just render her invisible. Oh my goodness. And she's like a bit shy about getting changed in front of people. Even though she was just in Divergent where I'm pretty sure there are no doors in their bathrooms. She was showering out in front of everybody. And now like she's shy. And Christina's like, hey, Stiff, no time for modesty here. And Fernando, ever the inquisitive insurgent, he says, why did she just call you Stiff? It's like, well, why do you think, Fernando? I thought you were meant to be smart. And Tris says, I transferred into Dauntless from Abnegation. And he goes, what? That's quite a shift. That's quite a shift. That kind of leap in personality between generations is almost genetically impossible these days. What? That kind of leap in personality between generations. The, the, the whole point of the aptitude test is to, to change factions. If um, It's not even that uncommon. Four just did it like a year before she did it. Her mum was born a dauntless. And came to abnegation. Her dad was born an erudite and came to abnegation. Her brother was born in abnegation and went to erudite. Not one of them is stuck with their faction. Not one of them out of the whole freaking lot. And here's Fernando gooped. He's gooped. And Tris says, well, you know, sometimes personality has nothing to do with the person's choice of faction. There are other factors to consider, you know. And Fernando, he says, you know what? Keep talking like that and they'll never discover you're not really erudite. And she's like, well, I am secretly part erudite. But also, Fernando, no matter what she says out loud, they're going to recognize her. She's that girl that didn't die the other day. And she's, she's even like combing her hair back. And Kara, she's like, here you go, Tris. And she gets like a little silver hair clip that all the erudite wear apparently and pins it back just the way that the erudite girls do. Oh, no one will ever clock her. Nope. Oh, no one's ever going to be able to tell that she's Tris, Beatrice Pryor, daughter of the fucking prime minister and most famous divergent rebel. She's insurgent even. I mean, come on. And so then Christina, she whips out some guns and she's like, hey, Tris, do you want a gun or do you want a stunner? And she's like having a full crisis about it being like, oh my God, I need a gun to protect myself. But also I killed Will. I feel bad about guns. And Christina's like, bitch, get over it. I'm over it. You need to be over it. And if Will were alive, he would tell you to get over it. Even though if he were alive, then there would be nothing to get over. And Christina, she just Tuff loves it. And she says, stop being so irrational and take the stupid gun. And she's like, okay, all right, you got me there. So she grabs the gun. And of course, the memory of shooting Will just like comes right back. She can't do it. So she drops the gun. (laughs) Well, I hope she doesn't drop the gun. She tells us that she lets go of the gun. So hopefully it doesn't, yeah, fall to the floor and then pop off accidentally and shoot Fernando in the head. So she lets go of the gun. And Kara's like, all right, here's a stunner. You know what? The Dauntless are too gun happy anyway. 
Meanwhile, Marcus is here just letting them have a whole big chat. And he's like, all right, guys, we got to go. Let's go. And she says, my heart beats so hard. I can barely feel the ground. I have never been this afraid before. And, And she says, and considering all that I have seen in simulations and all that I did during the attack simulation, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And I don't believe you. Janine just experimented on you with like a super fear serum. And and this is the most afraid you've ever been. I don't think so. You were screaming in terror, but she sucks it up and she thinks whatever my mum died for, whatever the abnegation died for trying to reveal that Janine was inspired to attack them in time so that they wouldn't reveal it. I've, I've got to go and finish their work for them. So then she says, we run down the clean, even sidewalks on Madison Avenue, clean and even sidewalks with all the maintenance that they do passing State Street and then heading towards Michigan Avenue. So get out your Google Maps if you're not from Chicago because that's where they're going. So then she comes across a group of candor, but she has a little mini freak out thinking that they're dauntless, part of the simulation attack. So all these candor are simulation controlled and armed, but they're all just standing there in like a huddle, in like a group. I don't know what's going on, but they're all holding guns. And so she's like, well, I'll just test it a little. And she steps towards one of them. And then she hears a bang. And Fernando, because he's smart, he says, maybe let's not do that. So all the candor are spread around doing surveillance on the Erudite building, although they're not moving, they're just standding around. So I don't, I guess they got peripheral vision or something. And they're like, shit, how are we going to get into Erudite headquarters now? And Tris says, is there any other way in? And Kara's like, nah, not unless you want to jump through a window. And Tris is like, what's that? And she goes, no, you're not serious, are you? And Triss is like, let's do it. Let's go through the window. So they go to the next building over and the the door to the building's locked. So Christina shoots her gun at the lock and and she breaks the lock and then they enter that building. Were there no candor around to hear that gunshot and react? None of the candor drones got activated by that gunshot just in an alleyway next to Erudite headquarters. It's hilarious to me that they're standing outside of Erudite headquarters, keeping watch, but they're not, but they're not scanning over the building next door. They're not, they're not interested in that. So they're in this other building and then she's looking out the windows and she can see the candor, but they can't see her. She says, right outside the window, so close I could touch her if I stretched my hand through the window is a candid child holding a gun that is as long as her forearm. She stands so still, I wonder if she's even breathing. And so she can't see Triss. Triss can see her, she can almost touch her, but she can't see Triss. Worst guards ever. And so apparently the windows line up on level three. So she's like, guys, I found a way across. And that's the end of the chapter. What, what a weird little climax to end that chapter on. So we go to chapter 42. And we're still in the building. She says they're all fanning out, looking in janitor's closets to try and find a ladder. And then she hears someone say, oh, I found one. No, wait, it's just got buckets. Never mind. Why would you, why would you open the door and be like, guys, I found a ladder. And they'd be like, oh no, it's a bucket. Could you think of two things that look more dissimilar? Is that, is that a ladder over there? No, it's a bucket. So then she's in this third floor room which is looking out onto an erudite window. And then she opens the window and she shouts, hey, outside the window. And then she ducks, but she doesn't hear any gunshots. And she thinks, oh good, the candor drones, they don't respond to noise. Okay, 
why would you have guards, candid drone guards, if they don't respond to noise? What would, what's the, what's the purpose of a deaf army? Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. So Christina, she comes back with a ladder and she's like, oh, I got a ladder. And then she turns around though, and she knocks Fernando with the ladder. They're doing that Three Stooges bit where you're, where you're holding a ladder and you turn around and you knock people over. Classic bit. Didn't expect to see that in the book Insurgent, but here we are. And she goes, oh, sorry, Nando. So we've already got a nickname for Fernando. We're calling him Nando. Love that as a nickname for Fernando, but you just met the kid. And the jolt knocked his glasses askew. And then he smiles at Christina and takes the glasses off, shoving them into his pocket. So clearly, Nando doesn't need the glasses. Classic erudite having glasses that you don't need. Or maybe he does need them and now he's flying blind. And Tris says, hey, Nando, I thought the erudite didn't like nicknames. And he says, well, when a pretty girl calls you by a nickname, it's only logical to respond to it. Oh, it's only logical, is it? But also, you didn't respond. (laughs) She said, oh, sorry, Nando, and you just took your glasses off and shoved them in your pocket. It's not a response where I come from, but he's like, of course I respond to Nando. But he's being very brazen, our Nando. And Christina, she's not about it because, you know, she's mourning the loss of Will. So she looks away and Tris is like, oh, that's awkward. It's too soon after Will's death for her to be flirted with. I'm like, yeah, okay. You, you also killed Will. I'm just finding more and more she's bringing up Will now, but not really referencing that she killed him. So what they're doing is they've got the ladder and they are using that as a bridge between the windows. But of course they need to break the glass of the window across the alley. And Tris is like, well, we need to break the glass. And so then Fernando takes the glass breaking device from his pocket. That's what we're just going to call it. It's the glass breaking device to break glass. Its primary function is to break glass. And Nando, he's like, well, you throw it, Tris. You've probably got the best aim. And she's like, well, actually, Nando, my right arm's actually out of commission. So I'd have to throw it with my left. And I'm not a lefty. I'm actually right-handed. It would be illogical for me to throw it. And Christina's like, fuck me. I'll do it. Fine. So Christina throws the glass breaking device against the glass and the glass breaks. And not just that window, all the windows above, below it, they all shatter into hundreds of tiny pebbles that shower over the candor below. Now, even though they're not able to hear sounds, I guess the glass falling on them triggered their response mechanism. And so now the candor is shooting up in the air. So then they're going to crawl across the ladder and Tris says to them, they respond to movement. So don't fall off the ladder. Okay, but can, can they not all sense the movement above them when you're crawling across the ladder? They just, they just sense the windows breaking. So I don't know why they wouldn't sense you walking across. Okay. Let's suspend disbelief. And also thanks for the hot tip, Tris. Don't fall off the ladder. Gee, thanks. Ah, oh, what a great piece of insight. Thanks for the hot tip, Tris. And Tris is like, someone's got to go first. It'll be hardest for whoever goes first because you won't be there on the other side to help with the ladder, hold the ladder down. So Tris is expecting Marcus to offer himself up to do that because he's the selfless one, apparently. But Marcus, he's being quiet. And Christina, she says, not feeling very stiff today, hey, Marcus. And he's like, hey, babe. 
maybe don't insult me. I'm still the only person here who can find what we're looking for. What? I, it's in a file of facts. Janine's got it on a floppy disk or something. It can't be that hard to find. And then Tris, she says, you know what? I'm part stiff too. I'll go. Remember when she used to be like offended by the word stiff? Now she's calling herself stiff. She's calling Marcus stiff. Christina's calling her stiff and she's not bothered. Everyone's just happy with stiff now. So she gets up onto the ladder and she's got to crawl across it. So it's very tense. It's a very rickety crickety ladder and it's creaking and sagging beneath her weight. And she's like, oh, this is just like the Ferris wheel. At one point, one of her legs falls off and she's like, ah, and she yells out. So thank God the candor can't hear. Thank God that they're only motion activated. Otherwise that would have been tricky. Meanwhile, the ladder on the other side, it's starting to slip down. It's no longer like resting on the full windowsill. It's just resting on, she says, a millimeter of concrete. I mean, I fucking doubt it. Okay, so let's just say it's resting on a millimeter of concrete and she's like halfway through. So she's like, I gotta be quick because that helps when a rickety crickety ladder's about to fall, it helps to be quick. So she lurches herself towards the opposite windowsill just as the ladder slips off. And so she scrapes the concrete, she pulls herself up. And she says, thankfully, Christina didn't let the ladder drop too far. So none of the candor shoot me. The motion activated candor. They can't see her with half a body dangling outside of a building. I reiterate, terrible guards. And like, I know, I know you have dauntless traders on board, Janine. Why wouldn't you just have a couple of them just doing laps around the building? Like, I know the candor are there keeping an eye on things technically. But would it not hurt to have someone who's in control of their senses to maybe, I don't know, look up, maybe register sound? That could be helpful. So she gets into the other room in the erudite building. She's cracked it and it's a bathroom. And then an erudite woman comes out of the bathroom stall and, oh God, she says, she freezes her arms up, toilet paper stuck to her shoe. This poor bitch, she's got toilet paper stuck to her shoe. She's just done a dump. She just wants to wash her hands. And there's Tris pointing a stunner at her. And she's thinking, shit, what did I do wrong? She's thinking, I left the toilet seat down. Why are you you trying to shoot me? And then Tris remembers that she's wearing blue clothing. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm an erudite. Okay. And so she puts the stunner down and she goes, oh, sorry about that, doll. She goes, I'm just, I'm just edgy with everything that's going on. We are re-entering in order to retrieve some of our test results from lab 4A. And the woman who's just trying to wash her hands, she's like, oh, okay, um, that seems rather unwise. Yeah, don't say stupid things to an erudite. You're gonna tip them off. Even though this erudite clearly doesn't recognize Tris. So there goes my theory that she's recognizable. The hair clip worked. And Tris still wanting to engage with this person for some reason. I I, I don't know why she's engaging with this person. She says, well, actually the data is of the utmost importance. Uh, So I would rather not leave it to get riddled with bullets. And this other person, she's thinking, I've got time to have a leisurely poo in the bathroom. Like I don't really care about data right now and bullets. And this poor erudite bitch, she says, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to wash my hands now and then, and then take cover. And Tris is like, okay, sounds good. And then she says, I decide not to tell her that she has toilet paper on her shoe. Not very selfless, not very stiff of you, Tris. What a bitch. I imagine not telling someone that they've got toilet paper stuck on their shoe. 
That's the height of rudeness. So that erudite woman, she walks out doing the toilet paper line dance, God lover. And so then she turns back to the window <laughs> and across the way, Christina and Nando, they're still struggling with the ladder being like, little help, doll. And so she reaches out the window and she fixes the ladder onto the windowsill. I'd be checking underneath the stall doors to make sure no one else is there because that was bloody awkward. So then Christina makes it over. Christina takes over holding the ladder in place and then she puts a trash can underneath the door so no one else can come in. And Christina, she's like, you know what? This has been a pretty smart plan, Tris. And Tris is like, oh yeah, really? Why are you so surprised? And Christina says, well, you you had an aptitude for erudite, didn't you? How does she know that? Did she tell Christina that? Maybe she told Christina that, I don't care. And Tris says, does it matter? The factions are destroyed. And it was stupid to begin with. Are they destroyed? I mean, you're dressed up in blue clothing right now. Okay, the factions are destroyed and it was stupid to begin with. Well, yeah, yeah, it was. I agree with you. And Christina says, all right, calm your tits. Having aptitude for erudite isn't a bad thing. And she's like, I'm sorry, Christina, I'm just tense. I also killed your boyfriend, but I'm just, I'm just feeling tense and sensitive right now. So then Marcus comes over, then Kara comes over, and then Nando, he's next. And she says he moves more awkwardly than anyone. She says, even though she didn't think he would have any trouble, because again, they know each other so well. And then she thinks, oh, well, he's probably spent his entire life behind a computer or a book. Obviously, he's not had much experience crawling across a ladder three stories high. This stupid Triss. Oh, of course he's not used to crawling across a ladder. He's probably more of a bookworm. Yet what, what other factions crawl across ladders? Even the Dauntless take the stairs. So then halfway across the ladder, something slips out of his pocket. It's his spectacles. Chekhov's spectacles fall out of his pockets. And she's like, Nando, no. <laughs> and then the spectacles fall and hit the edge of the ladder and then topple to the pavement. And then the candor guards are activated. They didn't notice Triss's legs dangling or a ladder dangling above them, but they noticed this one pair of little spectacles and they're like, pop, 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 pop. They're all shooting up. And so he's shot, Fernando's shot. And Christina's trying to reach through the window to grab him. And he says, don't be an idiot. Don't be illogical, leave me. The only logical thing to do is to leave me. And then Triss says, that's the last thing he says. End of chapter, Nando is kaput. So we start chapter 43, Christina steps back into the bathroom and they're all like, oh my God, Nando, he's dead. And then Marcus, he says, so we better get going then. (laughs) He says, I don't mean to be insensitive, but we have to go before the Dauntless and Factionless enter this building, if they haven't already. That's right, because they've got to race the Dauntless, Factionless Alliance because they're coming to destroy the, the data that they're trying to rescue. And then she says, I hear tapping against the window and jerk my head to see if it's Fernando trying to get in. And then she's like, oh, it's just rain. What? Of course it's not Fernando trying to get in. Can Fernando levitate? So they leave the bathroom and then they're in an erudite hallway. Oh no, Triss's nemesis, the erudite hallways. But she says this hallway is more active than she's ever seen it. People in erudite blue are sprinting, and spectacles probably, are sprinting back and forth in groups, shouting at each other, being like, they're at the doors, go as high as you can. They've disabled the elevators, run for the stairs. She says it's chaos. 
it didn't really seem like there would be chaos on the other side of that bathroom door when we had an erudite woman just going about her business doing a number two. But apparently on the other side of that door, chaos. So Kara's leading them up some flights of stairs. She's going into a different hallway. And then she's like, oh my God, I recognize this floor. This is my floor. I almost died here. So Tris is dazed by the memories, even though all the hallways looked the same, apparently. This is her hallway. And then they've got a head for control room A. Oh, control room A. Isn't that the one that Tobias shot the CCTV cameras that could never be replaced, presumably? I'm glad that's coming back into things. It's nice to know there was some importance behind the introduction of control room A. So they go into control room A and there's a row of computers. And Marcus and Kara, they sit at the computers trying to get the data and then the door opens and then she hears Caleb say, what are you doing here? And then she says, his voice wakes me. I turn and stare right at his gun. Okay, you were already awake, Dal. You've been narrating this whole book for us. You were awake. But okay, his voice woke her up. So now she's, she's out of her micro sleep. She turns around, there's Caleb and he's got a gun. And she says, Caleb, what are you doing? And he says, I'm here to stop whatever you're doing. And she says, we're here to save the erudite data that the factionless want to destroy. I don't think you want to stop us. And he's like, you're lying to me. Why would you bring Marcus here if you weren't trying to do something else? Something more important than just, you know, erudite data. And Marcus, he's like, oh my God, Janine told you. She told you a child. And Caleb's like, well, yeah, she told me. She tells me things. And then for some reason, they decide that now's a good time to have a whole conversation about the data again. And what's the data? Who fought for the data? Who wants the data? And Caleb says, my sister doesn't know what she's getting into. She doesn't know what it is that you want to show everyone and doesn't know it will ruin everything. And then Marcus is yelling about a purpose. And Caleb says, we were not sent here. We have no responsibility to anyone but ourselves. And Tris is thinking, what the fuck are they talking about? And it does make a bit more sense when you know what's coming. But in her perspective in this point in time, yeah, you'd be thinking, what the hell are they talking about? Something, something, data, something, something. And instead of listening, Tris is like, I've, I've, had a, I've had enough of this. I've had jack of it. And so she turns and she kicks Caleb's wrist so that he loses grip on the gun. And Caleb's crying and he's like, Tris, Beatrice, you need to trust me here. And she's like, you helped Janine torture me? You almost let her kill me? And he's like, well, I mean, we all make mistakes. She says, you were right there and you just watched. And Caleb's like, well, what could I have done? And she goes, tried. You could have tried, Caleb. And he's like, all right, well, I guess. Meanwhile, Kara's tippy tapping away at the computer trying to find the data. And then Caleb says, look, okay, guys, you're not going to find what you want here in control room A anyway. She wouldn't keep such important files on public computers. Why? Because that would be illogical. Oh, heaven forbid we do anything illogical. And Marcus says, oh, okay, so she hasn't destroyed it then. And Caleb says, she does not believe in the destruction of information, only its containment. Okay, why do you know all this? I know Marcus razzed you earlier on being like, why, why did Janine tell you anything? But I'm kind of in agreement here. You're a first year erudite. Have you even passed initiation yet? And, and you're getting the skinny from the leader, Janine? How are you her right-hand man all of a sudden? Janine went to all of these lengths 
She mind-controlled a whole entire faction to kill a whole other faction to stop this information from getting out. But she also told Caleb. She also said, hey, Caleb, come over here. Let me tell you something. I mean, you know, killing people to keep this a secret, but you need to know because you're my boo. So Caleb says she doesn't believe in the destruction of information, only its containment, and apparently sharing it with her sworn enemy's brother. And Caleb's like, well, I'm not going to tell you where she's keeping it, though. And Tris, she says, I think I know. She says she wouldn't keep it on a public computer, so that must mean she's keeping it on a private one. Oh, my God. Maybe she is apt for erudite because that's just brilliant logic. Brilliant sound reasoning. If it's not on a public computer, it must be on a private one. She's cracked the code. Robert Langdon over here, she's figured it out. Okay, so then she thinks she's either got a private computer in her office or in a lab, which is exactly what Tori had told her about. Because remember, Tori was trying to break into a lab. Oh my goodness gracious me. So she's figured out (laughs) the, the hidden location of the most important data. It's on Janine's computer. Like, I would have looked there first. I know they were working under the assumption that it'd be in the cloud, but as if you wouldn't just go up to Janine's room or lab or whatever and just look at her computer. Crazy. So they're like, all right, well, that that must be correct. Let's go to Janine's office. Let's go to her lab. And so Marcus, he like gets Caleb in a headlock or points the gun at Caleb and he's like, come with us because it's important to have our main named characters together for the final confrontation. So they run out into the hallway. I guess they're going up to the lab, but she's also looking at Marcus feeling a bit uneasy because of the stunt Marcus just pulled getting the gun off of Caleb or pointing the gun at Caleb, putting Caleb in a headlock. And she's like, that's an odd little thing to be able to do when you're meant to be the selfless leader of abnegation. She's like, I just can't trust a man who knows how to hurt another person. I mean, we did know that he abused Tobias for years and we've known that for quite a long time, but now she's, I guess, it's sinking in, okay. She was in Tobias's Fearscape simulation where she saw it happen firsthand, but I guess now it's sinking in now that he's got Caleb in a headlock that's just brought it home. So she must really be giving Marcus the stink eye because then he says, your brother's a traitor, he deserved worse. There's no need to look at me that way. So he's like, stop giving me the stink eye, Tris. You've killed people too, bub. And Tris, who's finally remembered that Tobias exists, she says, shut up, shut up. I hate you, you know that. (laughs) I hate you, you know that. (laughs) I hate you for what you did to him. And I'm not talking about Caleb. And while I may not shoot you myself, I will definitely not help you if someone tries to kill you. Wow, those are some strong words from Tris. Just a snappier, punchier comeback would be really nice right now. And then Christina's like, guys, where are we going? And Tris, she's got to spell it out for us again. She says, Caleb said what we're looking for won't be on a public computer. So it has to be on a private one. Like, okay, pause for applause. And she says, as far as I know, Janine only has two private computers, one in her office and one in her laboratory. We know. We know. Did she not just say that previously? She must have revealed that in an inner monologue because Christina's acting like she didn't hear anything. And Christina says, which one are we going to? And she thinks, Tori told me that there were insane security measures protecting Janine's lab. And I've been to her office and it's just another room. (laughs) And I've been to her office, so it's probably not there. So they're like, all right, let's go to the lab. Top floor, let's do it. 
So they're running up the stairwell. Meanwhile, Erudite are fleeing down the stairs and she can see the top of the stairs and she sees the body of a guard. And then she sees standing over him, a factionless man with an eye patch, Edward. And I must admit for a second there, I was like, who the fuck's Edward? And then I remembered. (laughs) He's that guy that got stabbed in the eye. And so then Edward, he's like, well, look who it is. Edward says, that's a strange outfit for someone who is supposed to despise Erudite. So he recognized them. That's interesting. He recognized Triss, even though she was wearing blue and he's only got one eye. So can't get anything past Edward. He wasn't going to get hoodwinked by that hair clip. And Triss is thinking, oh no, if Edward's here, that means Tori is probably already here as well, which means that Janine might already be dead. Do we need Janine to be alive in order to access the files? I'm not sure that we do, but okay. We're worried about Janine being alive now. We've equated saving the data to saving Janine's life. I mean, I would kill her. And Tris says, we are going to get past you. And Edward's like, I doubt that. And then I think Edward tries to shoot her, but she scudges the gun out of the way and it doesn't shoot her. But I think Edward was about to kill Tris. That's fun. Can't really trust a man in an eye patch. I've always said it. So then Christina punches Edward in the nose and then he recoils and then he fires the gun again and shoots Christina in the leg. And Christina's like, ouch. And then she shoots her gun, which hits him in the side. And then he screams out being like, ouch. And then he drops the gun and falls on top of Triss. And she smacks her head against one of the steps. Meanwhile, I guess Marcus and Caleb are just sitting watching. Oh no, then Marcus picks up the gun and he points it at both of Edward and Triss. And then he says, get up Triss. And he says to Edward, don't move. So Triss squeezes out from the dead guard and Edward. And then Christina, she's like, I'm fine. It just hit my side, not the bone. And Marcus says, Beatrice, leave her. Leave Christina, we gotta go. And Triss is like, leave, we can't leave. Something terrible could happen. And Marcus says, listen, bitch. He says, Janine Matthews will have retreated to her laboratory at the first sign of attack because it is the safest room in this building. Okay. And at any moment she will decide that Erudite is lost and it is better to delete the data than risk anyone else finding it. Well, that goes against what Caleb just told us, but okay. And this mission of ours will be useless. We've got to leave Christina behind and go and get that data. And Christina, she's like, he's right. There's no time. I'll stay here. You guys go ahead without me. Where's Kara in all of this? Did we lose Kara? I think we lost Kara along the way because I haven't heard hide nor hair of her in a while. Did she fall, fall down into the alley with Nando? No, I don't think she did. Anyway, we've lost Nando. We've lost Kara. Now we're losing Christina and it's just Marcus and Triss left. The dynamic duo. So they open the door to the lab. I love that it's unlocked. They open the door to the lab and they walk through it, but she looks back and there's Christina giving her a pained smile. And that's the end of the chapter. So the unlikely duo, the odd couple, Marcus and Triss, they're going into the lab, the, the unlocked lab, to save the data from being deleted. God, it's all come down to just deleting files. Thrilling stuff. So that's that. We have a few more chapters left and then the story is over for now. Then there's Another book coming up called Allegiant. We don't know the definition of that yet. And now that Nando's dead, I don't know if we'll ever get told what it means. But if you guys have any thoughts, feelings, concerns, questions about these couple of chapters, please hit me up and I'll see you guys next week for 
I don't know, maybe the end. It might be the end, we'll see. All right, bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.